guys. Welcome to Slash Report. My name is Prue, and I'm joined this week by my partner in crime as always, MK. Hello. Hi. And one of our favorite guests, Hoyden. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. And the reason that we have this disgraceful trio together is because we were talking about one of our favorite topics, um, manga. Manga and doujinshi. Now, the really funny thing about this episode is that this is actually like a take two, because in November of 2000, <laughs> 2012, in November of 2012, the three of us were in Tokyo and we recorded this episode, but it is unpublishable. To be fair, I think both of you were a little bit drunk. That is not the only reason it is unpublishable. I'm trying to make this like the public version. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it can never be heard outside of this circle <laughs> of people who are implicated by this audio recording. It is that bad. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we decided to take another pass on the topic. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. We were just really, really awful, and now we're going to, you know, be only our usual level of awful. That is the goal. Yeah. That is we're, the goal. We're gonna be better, okay? Let's 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 aim a little higher than yeah. You have such high standards for us, Hoyden, and we are never gonna meet them. <sighs> you're just you're just gonna be constantly disappointed by us. Always what? Minecrafting, always sad. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's topic um, is, as I mentioned earlier, manga and Dijinshi. And as we were kind of discussing the format of this episode, we thought, why not start at the very beginning? How did we get into manga? How did we acquire it? Because that in and of itself is a Herculean task. Oh my God. That's the reason yeah. I learned how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the reason I learned how to drive. Oh, oh dear. We're uh, details on that MK. <laughs> Listen, suburbia is like a bleak wasteland. <laughs> There's nothing out there. It's awful. So how does that relate to you driving to get manga? Okay, so I grew up in like a giant, giant-ass suburb where there's literally, like, the only thing to do is, like, go to the movies or go to the mall. That's it. And... Eventually, I would, my parents were like, listen, you're going to learn how to drive. This is after my brother, like, kidnapped me to teach me driving. But the real time to learn how to drive was my parents were like, we're setting you up with lessons, whatever. It's all going to be fine. Um, but in order to get your second level license in Ontario, you have to have uh, accumulated a certain amount of highway driving. You have right. to, like, practice a certain amount every week. It's just basically, like, drive for an hour every week on the highway. And I was like, God damn, there's nothing I want on the highway, and I'm terrified of the highway because I will get on it and I will get lost because I have no sense of direction. Uh, and this is pre-GPS. Pre-GPS, no iPhone, like, I'm, I'm just fucked. Um, and my brother was like, I can teach you. There are two exits that you need to know on the highway, one to get on and one to get off, and they're the same both ways. How to get to the biggest mall in Ontario where there is a comic book store in the basement. And there's a comic book store, like, around the corner from it as well, like, in a weird, sketch-ass little house. And then back to our house. And I was like, yeah, okay. And every week, we, I would drive my brother and me to either the Comic Den or Square One to buy comics. 
And that's how I got my driver's license. You know, correlated to that, like, I didn't, I, that's not why I got my driver's license. But it's the reason my mother and I managed to stay friends when I was a teenager. Because, and Hoyden, you're going to instantly start laughing when I start telling the story because it will remind you of things. Um, when I grew up, as, as I was growing up, I was also growing up in suburbia. Um, and the nearest shopping center to us was this tiny little thing on the intersection of two roads that had like a grocery store, a gym, a pharmacy, and a border to books and music. And oh. every weekend for almost, I would say like a decade, what would happen was my mom and I would get up on Saturdays, dig around the house, and then Saturday afternoon, we would go to the borders, we'd both get something from the cafe, she would get a bunch of magazines, I would get a bunch of manga, and we would sit there for hours, like each reading our own thing, and like occasionally talking about stuff. And that is the reason that like my mother and I get along a lot better than my dad and I do. <laughs> that's wow. awful yeah okay so i'm going to i think uh demonstrate that i'm a few years older than both of you because when i was 16 the very first volume of the sailor moon manga which was published with like the artwork reversed um yeah. it was a real sketch ass thing <laughs> uh it was published and i found it in a comic book store um, near my hometown. And that was my first brush with, like, manga at all. I was like, this is amazing. Also, it's on TV. Like, where does this come from? How do I get more? And the answer was, for a long time, like, uh, more was maybe not a possibility. Like, that was yeah, just, just was yeah, you know. You just can't do it. It was an option. And uh, when I went to college, there was a comic book store that began to sort of carefully as things slowly, slowly, slowly became available, started to have like, you know, a tiny little manga corner. Like that was it. There just was not anything. So in terms of being able to domestically acquire things um, for a while, uh, obviously the supply uh, was just not there so it, just, it wasn't in existence it wasn't there there was I nothing remember, i think it's so funny that sailor moon was the first one you saw because we were chatting briefly before we started recording um and i was telling Quentin that i have never seen a volume of sailor moon manga sailor moon is actually like the first anime that i ever interacted with i think that's true for a lot of people um because it was on canadian children's television Fuck yeah, um, it was. And I remember my dad's best friends uh, lived in Toronto. And we used to visit a lot. And when I did, we I would sit there and watch television with our kids. And it was, we would watch a lot of Sailor Moon. And I remember watching some episodes and like being like, I don't like this blonde girl. But everyone else on the show is great. Um, <laughs> that was my first interaction with Sailor Moon. Like, I didn't know that there was a manga associated with it. And I, I, to this day, don't think I've ever read a volume of Sailor Moon manga. I love the manga. The manga is actually, like, uh, in many ways much more complex than the anime. Like, in ways that you don't expect. And it's so condensed. Like, everything happens so fast. Yeah, I mean, and actually, now that I think about it, I'm trying to sort of remember, like, go back in the annals of my memory. And the first 
actual genuine memory of reading manga that I have is from, do you guys even remember what, like, fucking year this was? Because this had to have been, like... I think I was, like, like 14 or something. Like, it must have been, like, the year 2000. It was... It was at the beginning of the visually navigated internet, is what I remember, because this was back when the first manga I ever read, Incomplete, was Ronma One Half, and it was on the Ronma One Half project. Fuck yes. Do you guys remember this? Yeah, no, absolutely. But for me, okay, before we went to the big, bigger comic book stores when I got my driver's license, Mm -hmm. uh, there is another tiny and... To me, ultra sketch, but like in hindsight, probably not ultra sketch. Comic book <laughs> store in Streetsville, which is like a village inside of a suburb. Um, and that's where I got my first comic books, which were single issues of Ranma One Half and Inyasha. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. It was like random single issues from like several volumes in. And I was like, but I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I read all of Ranma One Half online. Over, I think, like, I would follow, oh my god, this is how tragic it was. I would go, this is back when both my parents worked at universities in research capacities. And on the weekends or, like, during summer when they were working and I could either sit at home and do nothing or go with them to work, I would go to work with them and I would sit on their work computer and read Run One Half Project. And that's how I read the 8 million volumes. Wait, wow. I'm actually checking how many volumes. Oh my god. No, it's like 32 volumes. 38 volumes 38. of Ronma One Half. Are you shitting me? Because, listen, I got $10 a week allowance, and it took three weeks allowance to buy one volume of Ronma One Half at that time, because they were like $30 so or like $27. Expensive. It's so expensive. And yeah. they printed them in that giant format, right? Yep. So I would like yeah. save up for a month drive to the comic book store, buy my one volume of Ranma and have, like, barely enough left over for a cookie, um, oh, and just, like, read it in the, like, 20 minutes it took to get home. Yeah, like, no, I never did that because I didn't have an allowance, so if I didn't find the free option, I was I fucked. I completely forgotten about those single issue um, of, like, the early manga, but now that you say it, I remember it. The other thing that is weird in retrospect, and I'm thinking about it because I'm looking at my bookshelf, is that um, I had, like, an internship my freshman year of college. So, like, along this trajectory of manga very, very, very slowly becoming available. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that... Um, so as manga became available, it was things like Sailor Moon, and it was Ranma. It was, like, you know, these big series. But in terms of things relevant to our interests... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love or like boys love sort of like flavored series uh, that was far slower to come, and so I'd heard about things like fake, and I heard about things like from a royal with love, and I was like, man, I really want to see these things, but there's no at that time there was no real coherent or consistent scanlation of either of them. Yeah, and 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 so it's just like. That what I had decided to do was I had contacted this, like, couple who I guess must have lived in Japan. And they were like, listen, if you want manga, tell us what you want. Tell us what volumes you want. We will go buy it for you, and then we will ship it to you in the U.S. Oh my so God. I was like, 
I was feeling all like flush and like I had all this money from my internship, even though like in reality, no. Um, <laughs> like, yes. And I was like plunking down this money and I still have like 32 volumes of like original print from Heroica with Love. That's the way it's original Japanese. And, but I can't bring myself to like get rid of it because I'm like, no, this is a beautiful piece of, you know, my history, hilarious Spanish history. And Quite so, and the same never, thing. I, okay. So I never, that was baller. And that like was hardcore. I never managed to like scam anybody in Japan to send me stuff, but I definitely remember like trolling eBay to find like fan subs. And this is like, Oh, man. Like, if you live in the modern era, you've never tried to, like, buy a VHS of, like, shitty subtitling that a fan did. (laughs) Oh, man. Seven bucks bucks for, like, six episodes of something fans up. Like, I realize this is a little off topic, but I think it's in the same vein of, like, how do you get this shit if you can't buy it domestically? And it's, you know, and it it was a really interesting time period because you couldn't buy it. Like it was just unavailable. And unlike today where like, I can't see the Iron Man movies on Netflix and I get angry. And then like, I can go, someone can get a pirate <laughs> copy of it. Right. Yeah. You didn't have that option either. And there was like, no iTunes. Like you couldn't get it on iTunes. There was no way to acquire it legally, illegally with sorcery, having murdered a virgin. Like you were shit out of luck across all atmospheres. You just knew that there was this magical thing called anime and manga, and it was being denied to you because you didn't live in Japan and you couldn't fucking read Japanese. My parents would take me, like, this is like the spoiled kid, but we would go all over Europe, and I was like, can we please go to Japan? And they were like, no, that sounds boring. <laughs> I was like, all I want is Japan. I there was, so there was a period of my life where... I used to, in, like, middle and high school, for a couple years in high school anyways, where my parents would basically, like, mail me back to Shanghai every fucking summer, and all I would do is, like, go to shady bookstores in Shanghai (laughs) and buy Chinese manga translations. It is how I read all of Hikaru no Go in Chinese, and that's the most fluent in Chinese I've ever been. Prue, that's basically how we scanlated everything because it's way easier to find someone who reads Chinese than someone who reads Japanese. There was a time I could do both, but now I'm useless at both. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a nice segue into scanlation, though, because... It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So why don't you guys take it from there? Like, what? what how did you get the impulse to, like, actually scanlate anything in the first place? Well, okay, before MK starts telling her tale of woe, <laughs> um, I never actually scanlated anything. Oh. Uh, for anyone listening to this who do- uh, who can't, who doesn't know what scanlation is, it sounds, it is pretty much what it sounds like. It's when fans get scans of uh, manga or something we'll talk about shortly, doujinshi, which is basically visual fanfic, um, scans of manga or doujinshi, and then they'll, like, wipe out the, the Japanese text, and sometimes if you get really advanced scan laters, the Japanese texts and the sound effects, um, and they will replace it with English. Now, in the olden days of the Ron the One Half Project, these were not beautiful scanlations. They were not done with particular levels of skill. It was very much like delete the Japanese, fill in the English, 
and this is a huge labor intensive proposition, um, and then put it online. But then as the quote unquote art of it developed, people got really, really good at scanlations. And I think to this day, a lot of the scanlation groups are much better than the professional translators. Legit to death. Like that was definitely the case because there were some scanlation groups where they just rendered beautifully, beautifully translated products. And, um, like it's been rare. I think that, I mean, it was, there were actually circumstances in which I was like, Oh man, I hope the company who was actually publishing this, you know, in a legit way, I'm like, yeah. fuck it up guys. I'm like <laughs> some people with like, a, you know, a hacked version of Adobe and <laughs> dubious, like you know, other skills managed to do a really like quality job. So don't fuck it up. Yeah, and, exactly. Oh, it just makes me so nostalgic. Yeah. 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 As the only person who actually scanlated MK. It started, as all things do, with my excessive greed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want something. How can I make this happen? Oh, I have some skills and some friends. I bet we could make this happen. Yes. <laughs> um, the more I got into manga, the more... I knew about different series or artists that I really wanted to read and they weren't being scanlated or they weren't being published. And I was like, there's only one way to do this. We're going to do it ourselves. Like, fuck everyone else. Um, And my friend Anna was like, well, fine, let's just start a scanlation group. Hell, let's start three scanlation groups. And I was like, yes, let's do that. Um, And we did like, it's more work, I think, than anyone ever expects. Like, we must have had, like, a hundred people combined working on these three things. We were just, like, two university students who have never lived in the same country or anything. Like, yeah. opposite ends of the continent. Um, and we just, we got it going. I was like, who do we know who speaks Chinese and reads Chinese? Who do we know who, like, can do Japanese? Uh, I can't be the only person who does Photoshop who has access to, like, a manga store. Because when we started... I did not have access to anywhere that I could buy original Japanese or Chinese comics. Uh, But when I moved to university, I moved downtown to beautiful Toronto, which is full of places where you can buy this shit. Um, (laughs) And, like, once a week, I would go to my favorite manga store and I would buy, like, Japanese or Chinese language comics from, it turns out, one of my translators. We did not figure that out until after she left Toronto. <laughs> Seriously worked at the store where I was buying this shit. I never got a staff discount. I'm so mad. <laughs> um, and oh. there's like some magic in scanlating, which is it smells really gross because you have to microwave the original book. Like you have to destroy it. Wait, you, what? Are, are, what? Wait, uh, you have to explain. I'm gonna well, explain. When you get, you buy the original book, right? And you remove the plastic from it and you put it in the microwave and you microwave it for like 30 seconds on high, which melts the glue so that you can pull all the pages out so that they're single pages. Shit, really? Shit! Yes, you destroy the original book. That's how you do it if you want like a good scan. Because some people would like sit there and hand press this book into the scanner, but you get like the hideous gutters. Yeah, and if you have a double page spread, it looks ridiculous. But if you microwave it and rip out the pages, I had no idea. Yeah, nobody ever does. They're like, "Sorry, what?" And they're like, "Yeah, you microwave that shit." 
Holy shit. So I would spend like a lot of my evenings microwaving and scanning manga and like making sure all the file names make sense and everything because you have to split it up by chapter and by volume and all that. Um, and then you would have like a different person, though sometimes me, who would clean them, who has to like adjust all of the levels and like clean it up so it's grayscale and aligned properly. Yep. Then you have the translator look at it and the translator has to like create, it's like a full on script format. Yep. Then you have someone proofread the script and fix it because, uh, the translator might be really good at understanding what the original meaning of these words is, but sometimes you just need to finesse it into like what your English speaking audience will better understand. Uh, it's like, like an editor, if you're writing a book, same thing. Yeah. Um, and then after all of that, then somebody can actually start like putting that shit together in Photoshop. And then somebody after that has to do a quality check and then distribution. So how did you actually go through the process of, I mean, because a lot of these scanlation groups had multiple teams of people like working on individual manga projects. Yeah. How did you organize that? Yeah. Probably not as well as we could have. Um, because everything at that time was distributed on IRC for the most part. Oh God. Yeah. So we had our IRC, (laughs) the really, the shittiest chat rooms on the internet. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Hoyden and I were just reminiscing about how much we fucking hate IRC. You know, I hate IRC, but it did teach me how to spell Q because you type Q so many times, eventually you're going to get it right. Oh God. No, I was just, I was. Uh, when I was talking with Prue before we started recording, I was saying, oh, man, you remember IRC? Like, I taught myself how to use that, and I hated it, and I hated, <laughs> like, I hated, like, the chat room etiquette of, you know, figuring out who had what volume, like, what, you know, chapters of what volume of the manga that you needed, yeah. and then trying to queue them up before they left, and <laughs> we inevitably, like, cock-blocked at every opportunity. It was just... Like, um, even if it was your queue, like, the download wouldn't go, or, like, yeah, your internet would queue, shit out. Your dial-up would cut out, like, right before your turn, and you would get dropped to the back of the line, or you would, like, or you would spend all weekend downloading manga off of IRC and realize, like, one of the chapters was mislabeled. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. It was awful. So, we had our official... <laughs> scanlation group where like the the chat room on irc where people could go and queue to download things and for like new people in fandom when i say queue i mean a series of text commands that like tell somebody else's computer to send you a file there's no visual interface we have to to do a quick we have to do a quick sidebar here kids listening to this podcast i know that like i have no idea what the age distribution of our listenership is but like for the olds listening to this who are, like, cracking their shit up, <laughs> air-punching and, like, doing the woot fist because they went through this shit. Like, I'm throwing up, like, a mocking J, like, three-finger salute of solidarity. Because this was, like, a dark, shitty time. You had to want that. Like, these days, if kids want, like, a vanish thing, you can just, like, fucking go on, like, torrent box. Like, or Manga Fox, or something else like that. Like, those days, you had to, like, basically teach yourself, like, mini coding languages. Yep. To acquire 
like a 30 page file, which would take an hour to download. Like, and, and let's say that you were like new to the IRC chat room and you screwed up one thing. Someone would instantly boot or ban you. Yes. And you had to register a new username and like, it was awful. It was. There's so much shame. It is. So much shame. So much shame. You had to be full committed. Like, I definitely cultivated a bunch of, like, slightly disgusting, like, male friendships. Yeah. Just to, like, get access to stuff. Yeah, I was like, I need your hardcore porn. Can you help me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, like, one of the most magical days for me was when a few scanlation groups would put up, maybe only for a little bit, um, you send it links back yeah. when you send it was like a viable proposition in life. And I was like, Oh, this is so great. I have to be an IRC at all. Like my life has changed forever. Uh, <laughs> not true. Um, it's a pain in the ass to comparatively to set up those, you send it links versus just giving your staff, everyone like a copy of the file and being like, be on IRC for the next eight hours. Oh, I bet. I bet. Surprisingly complicated. Okay. But so we had the general IRC room where, like, you can download shit and talk with the scan leaders and whatever. And then we had a secret password-protected staff room. Uh, and, you know, like, once a week, everyone would have a meeting. And we'd be like, all right, this is what we're working on. Who wants to work on this? Who wants to work on this? Who's getting stuck with this one? <laughs> um, and the main thing is, like, get all the translators in line. Because once the translators are all sorted out, like, you always have enough cleaners, enough people who will, like, scan shit, enough whatever. You have everything else is easy. Translators are the most difficult people to find. Yeah, because... It's a valuable skill. Yeah. MK, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the etiquette between um, scanlation groups having sort of claim to certain projects? Yeah, so this is interesting. There were two theories about this when I worked in scanlations. One was, if you put that list up on your current projects, even if you had not released a chapter yet, it was yours, uh, which was like the old school of thought. Um, And then that quickly changed to whoever releases it first and or best gets it. Yeah. Um, It was just like, finders keepers, it's yours now. Um, I remember being like intensely frustrated when a project that I really, really wanted to read um, which, by the way, was only good for me. Not actually good. Um, I really wanted to read, had, like, two chapters been released, and then just sat there for, like, three years. Nothing ever happened to it. And I was like, who do I have to, like, ritually sacrifice for another group to pick this up and scan like this for me? Um, the answer is nobody. And it remains untranslated to this day. That's, but. like, equally as frustrating for the scanlation group. There were lots of projects that we were like, we want to do this. And we noticed that, like, another group had not worked on it in, like, two years. And we're like, can we please just pick up where you left off? Like, we won't redo anything you did. And they would be like, whoa, no, that is ours. Like, no. Some people got I, really weird about it. I do actually remember, like, I don't remember which scanlation groups um, actually broke that taboo, but I do remember when it started to happen. And it was always like you had, in the in the grand old days of scanlation, like, there were a couple of really established names. Like, if I throw them out, you will instantly recognize them if you, if you played in this pot. Like, Nakama was, like, the biggest one. Fucking Nakama. Uh, Sorry. And they, they did a good job in terms of their end product. But like, and I'm sorry for anybody who is listening who may have been from Nakama, 
you guys had like astonishingly weird taste in terms of the project. Right? So strange. Like, so weird. Like, some of it was like terrible, and some of it was just strange. Like, what? Why? You yeah. Like, this is like having this is like having Jedi powers and using it to like run an ant circus. Like, so in, like incomprehensible. Some of those choices. I got to the like, point where I just stopped downloading anything that said Nakama in the file name because I was like, it's yeah, just going to be fucking like, crazy. I have no idea what this is, but it's going to be like a talking penis again. And like, I don't need that. Fuck, there were like three talking penis stories. Like, yeah, separate. Yeah, listeners, don't be us. But like, so you have these big established names, but then what would happen was you would have these like shitty little upstarts that would appear overnight, right? And their product was not good necessarily. Like the quality was nowhere near like what Nakama and we have to talk about Shiron. Oh my God. And um, the big grandma of the whole thing, and still my favorite scanlation group of all time, Shiron was doing. But they were doing it faster. They were doing it faster, and they were picking up projects that maybe had been gone, but abandoned or, like, tossed aside. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going in. And I remember that, um, fuck, what is the, I can't believe... I can't believe I ever got the name of this. I've only pimped 48 million people into this. The Porn Stars Who Fall in Love. Oh, fuck. Um, I love that one. Uh, God. Oh, <sighs> uh, we're fired. Um, <laughs> I'm literally Googling the names of the two characters, but I cannot remember. Okay. I what, I, the English name of it is Embrace Love. love. Yeah. The Japanese name of it is Haruwa Daita. Yeah. Yes. Harudata, Harudaki, or like, what was the? I thought it was Harudai, but I could. What? Whatever. It's porn stars who fall in love. Um, Fandom favorite. Fandom favorite. One of like the most successful, longest running, like basically fanfic uh, mangas out there. And I remember like the first couple chapters, really rough, really early days. Middle one's pretty good, but then someone, like, they stopped scanlating it, and so I have, like, a fucking zip file on my computer that I got through, like, wizardry or whatever, <laughs> of someone who had compiled the entire series run into one giant zip file. Fuck yes. Yeah. I have to find it again. Now I'm gonna reread That's it. That's where, like, you're in queue, and you're like, I can only queue one thing right now, because this has to be, like, the whole of my bandwidth. Yeah, and I need it to go down in, like, only two hours. Yeah. Uh, and you can see when you look through this massive file, because the story is like nine volumes or something like that. And through these hundreds of pages, you can see like the actual progression of the way scanlations worked. You had the very early ones, which were not very well done, but then a huge section in the middle that has like a very high quality control level and then very scattered quality toward the middle third because it was multiple groups being involved and none of them very formalized and toward the end they're really good again or they're really scattered because those were the like at the very tail end of that series scanlation run was also the tail end of the scanlation group thing yeah yeah i think the the interesting thing about this too is that um that series is actually i would say one of the exceptions that most of 
most BL manga or sort of BL flavored manga tended to be like one volume or two volumes. Yeah. Um, but like these like really long ones like that where they're like seven to nine volumes were um, not the norm. So you're more likely to get a scalation group to get a hold of like one or two volumes of manga and just like really go at it. Yeah. But yeah, you can see in like longer projects like that, especially you could definitely see the progression of um, either a scalation group itself, or sometimes you can actually watch um, translators and and um, QC groups sort of gradually tighten their process too. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, like, and I, you know, I, Coy, don't pretend. You and I definitely read a lot of bleach scanlations. Um, yes, and I definitely <laughs> read a lot of Naruto. I don't want to talk about my life choices. And I watched, and I read a lot of fucking Inuyasha scanlations. I had the biggest oh, folder yeah. of Detective Conan on my hard drive, and I'm still mad that it, like, I never got all of it, and it's still not done. Well, and the funniest thing is, like, if you go through those scanlations, like, you can see the same names up here, and the quality of the scanlations improve amazingly over the course of, like, a very short period of time. But it it's just, it was, it became a very professionalized cottage industry, I think. We actually reached the point where somebody I know offered us startup capital to start, like, a publishing house to do manga here professionally. Right. Uh, but I was in second year university, and I was like, I think I kind of have to do school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and part of me regrets it, but the actual industry of, like, publishing that shit over here for real crashed real hard real fast because japan figured out um it doesn't make sense to just sell like a westerner the two titles that they really want that are great it's way better to package in like seven shit titles at the same time yeah so they would be like you can have uh like ranma one half but you also have to take these other five that we hate and that won't sell and you just you have to pay the license fee to get them although we we should backtrack for just a second because um, one of the fascinating things to me about um, our like the whole scanlation industry is that that's how that's how manga gets a toehold, you know, a, you know, that gets a foot in the door for North American distribution is that um, by this like laborious um, sort of seeding of the ground that you finally they're like, oh, there's a market, we could probably do this legit and have ourselves, you know, some sort of, you know, product and, and profit from this whole situation. Yeah. Uh, there are actually a couple scanlation groups that turned into publishers, and I can't say their names because legal reasons and shit, but... Yeah. Yeah, there was more than one. Well, I think even more than just, like... I think even more than just scanlation groups in general, like, even more pronounced that this... Um, the grassroots piracy movement, right is the one that drove the legitimate one, is Boys Love and Yaoi is, like, that sure. shit never, ever <laughs> would have come stateside unless, like, we were fucking photoshopping penises, like, for free at 3 a.m. in the morning because it was the only way for us to get access to it. Yeah. That's the magic. And it's, like, it's the same argument with Netflix, right? It's, like, once you make this shit available, you'll have an audience for it, and they will pay for it happily. But you have to make it available. The reason that Scanlation was so big is because we couldn't get any manga. Yeah. And once it became, like, that you could actually find Boys Love available in stores, and um, it was there was even a print on 
difference between what was available at Barnes Noble versus Borders. Yes. Like, if you wanted dirty shit, like, you had to go to Borders. Like, that was not going to be at Barnes Noble. Like, you know, so- really? No, it's not available at Barnes Noble for some reason. Oh, to me, those are just like two almost identical bookstores because we don't have them here, right? Whereas I'm pretty sure, like, Chapters, Cole, Smith, whatever, they're all basically owned by the same people in Canada. So, like, everything was everywhere. Really strange, right, um, Hoyden? But philosophically speaking, like, even now, if you go to Barnes & Noble, it will have a much larger manga section. It is nothing compared to Borders in, like, 2000, 2004. Amazing. Like, yeah, Borders manga section would be the size of, like, the historical nonfiction section in its bookstore. But the Barnes Noble section would be one single shelf. Yeah. I do you remember there's one thing that I thought was really weird, which was it took them like six or seven years to figure out that they should probably plastic wrap the really porny stuff. Previously, it was just like sitting out on the shelf and you could just pick it up and like read some hardcore porn inside of a chapters. And eventually they were like, whoa, whoa, that, that's a lot of dicks. Well, I feel like in the U.S. at least, all the porny stuff was always plastic. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was always wrapped. And, um, yeah, so there was definitely a lot more of, like, manga in general available at Borders, but also um, more manga that I wanted that was available at Borders. And there was actually, like, a time where I could visit the bookstore, eh, let's say, once or twice a month, and there would be one new thing that I wanted. Um, but what was interesting is that, like, from 2004 to, I'd say, um, well, actually, more accurately, probably from 2008 on, that there was, in fact, so much being published that I had to set rules for myself. Like, I could not buy <laughs> all of them to be, like, manga. I was like, that's fiscally irresponsible. And, you know, some of it I just don't actually am not interested in the... I know this mangaka, this, this manga artist and author, and I don't really want this, so... Yeah, I mean, because we went from being, like, we have to grab this because they only ordered three copies, and right. it may or may not be good, but it's the only thing available, to being able to finally be picky. Like, I remember the day that I walked into Borders, and there was five volumes of the same volume of fake on a shelf, and it oh, felt yeah. amazing. It was just, like... If the world had changed. Yeah. Good times. Just yeah. I, yeah, it was definitely like that moment if you were like, there's only three, vol- you know, three copies available, so I'm definitely get one. And also, I think, uh, speaking of plastic wrap, the more hilarious, like, moments were like, you go to the shelf, there's the volume that you want. You know, you know for a fact that was plastic wrap when it started, but it is not right now. Which means somebody opened <laughs> it already and put it back on the shelf. And you're like, do I? Am I going to buy this? Is yep. this something I'm going to do? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then awkward conversations with cashiers where you're just like, don't, don't. Don't make eye me. contact with me. Nope. Whatever, nope. I'm still that way when I buy like a romance novel. I'm like... Fuck, I got a dude cashier? Yeah, I am buying this romance novel. Ebooks are the greatest thing that ever happened to ladies and romance novels or fun. Generally, I try to get ebooks, but, you know, the other day we were going to be too early for a movie, so we hung out in a bookstore and I was like, fuck it, I'm buying two paperbacks for, like, the first time in six years. Although, in general speaking, like, I have no sense of shame. Like, I've most definitely gone up to cashiers with, like, books 
like that befouled their young 14 year old first brother. <laughs> I'll but do like, it, but I don't like, like it. Someone at some point is definitely going to have to introduce them to the story of O, so like, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> like, what there's okay, so there's a comic book store in Toronto that I know a bunch of people who work there, and the test for a new employee to see if they're gonna fit in or be able to like cut it is go organize the hardcore porn wall. Yes. That's the, like, if you can do that and you can, like, crack some jokes while doing it and be fine and do it properly, you're in. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Like, you should not make, you should not judge people's purchases. But, but, um, to sort of circle back to our original topic when it comes to manga, scanlations, supply and demand, one of the things that I'm really curious about, maybe you guys can actually shed some light on it, is that you're right, Hoyden, there was a period of time where boys love manga basically like sort of um what is it like uh it's not shoujo it's shonen eye not shonen eye it's like the the sort of like manga for older ladies oh jose yeah shoujo jose bl like shonen eye yaoi stuff was like really coming into the fore and obviously at the same time there was like tons of fucking shonen being published but that was always kind of going to be a given um what happened? Because I remember Tokyo Pop had like tons of different titles, and then there was like Rose or June or something like that, and there were just like a ton of different publishers putting stuff out there. And now, like, I don't even know who exists anymore. But it feels like that was an industry that blew up overnight and then constricted almost as quickly. Um, I'm maybe not quite the person to do this because. Um my knowledge of the whole situation is pretty, pretty sketch, but, um, I think one of the things that happened specifically with boys love, and I really wish I had looked this up before I had done this, is that one of the major publishers, there was some sort of legal dispute between rights being held and then somebody went bankrupt and it was Ah. just a whole freaking mess. And a bunch of them went bankrupt. Yes. Um, because, um, by the time, because Tokyo Pop published so much, and then when they went, you know, belly up, it was um, pretty tragic for, well, everybody. Um, so, yeah, it was, am I thinking, MK, is that right? Tokyo Pop? Tokyo Pop. Edit. Yeah, okay. They got super uh, fucked up before they yeah. shut down. Yeah. So, I am probably not quite the right person to, to talk about that. Um, although I'll be interested to see if, um, because one of the things that happened here in the U.S. is that borders closed, um, went bankrupt and, and closed down. So I realized the other day that it had been, um, I haven't bought, I have not bought a physical copy of MAGA since borders closed down. I could theoretically have bought them from Amazon, but Without that sort of like book, you know, cracked in book form available to me, like you know, for an impulse buy, yeah, I, have, I haven't done it, and that's uh, that seems weird to me. Yeah, same. I mean, because before, um, I would say actually before I started heavily buying manga from bookstores, there would be a whole lot of like, uh, we're, we're like, hey, proof look at this amazing, like, scanlation that I found. You should totally read, like, all five <laughs> pages that are available with this shit. It's going to be good for all of us 
But specifically for me, when you start screaming at chapter five, when there's no more that's been Stanley yet, and then you can feel my pain. So <laughs> uh, not that we ever did that to each other. No, of course not. No. Why would we? And no. then and, and, and we never obviously sent each other like, you know, things and we're like, we can never discuss this, but oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about that. <laughs> we weren't even referencing that one. Oh God. No. We're not, <laughs> we're not talking. Dark shames. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much dark shame. It's like categorized and, um, there are levels, but, <laughs> um, actually, so one of the, the fascinating things for me is, um, so we just been here talking to you about the dark days of IRC and Dojinshi and so forth. Um, I lived in Japan two separate times. My first time I had, I did manage to find, um, a store that sold, uh, I mean, of course, manga is everywhere in Japan, like actually everywhere in Japan. Vending uh, machines. Jujinchi, which is basically, you know, uh, visual fanfic. Yes, visual fanfic, um, published and semi sanctioned, uh, was available in stores. Like you could go to specialty stores that um, had these things for sale and you could buy it. And so the first time I was there, that was how I acquired Jujinchi, is that. Um, I had seen like some projects, a very few have been scanlated and I was like, okay, so the stuff is definitely out there. Definitely going to go and try and find some. So that was like in 2004, by the time 2006, 2007 rolls around, um, the internet's instructions about how to get in on this stuff were a little more explicit and then you could, um, be plugged in slightly easier. So the second time around I had, I already made a uh, connection with a uh, shout out to CNS745 who had for, um, I would say a good solid year facilitated um, my acquisition of Dijinshi while still living in the U S I would send her an email saying, I know you're going to a certain Dijinshi event where um, the yes. creators of these Dijinshi will be, uh, will be there and selling uh, whatever they've, you know, published. Um, will you please go? And if you see anything in like Hikaru no Go for like Toya and, and Shindo, like, will you please buy that for me? If it looks good and if there's porn in it, like that's, you know, it's important to be specific about your wants. <laughs> yeah. So I met up with her in Japan, uh, once I was living there again and she was like, do you, do you want to go to an event together? And I was like, yes, yes, let's go. <laughs> So, so we went and it is not the whole process of attending a comic event is a little like war in that, um, often before these events, they will have, again, this is amazing to me. They will have published a map that will tell you like where, like in this giant room, like all of these, like individual Dodinci circles, these creators will have, will have their own tables. So, you know, you you have to map out carefully, like, which tables are you going to? Um, and you can kind of deduce, like, what fandoms they're interested in. So you can go, go and, like, check that shit out. And uh, so, you know, we would sort of carefully map out, like, what circles you definitely wanted to hit. Did you need to have somebody else go stand in line because you knew that that line was going to be out the door? Please see Kazuma Kodaka at any point ever. <laughs> Um, like fucking K2 company, man. Um, even though she's, she is a delight. So, 
Um, so it was just like, uh, it was a really intense process, but really fun and rewarding. And one of the um, interesting things about buying Dijinchi in Japan is that when you go to these kind of events, and I think the ones that people are most familiar with are Kamiket, which happens in summer and in winter, which is like enormous and huge and not boys love specific or, um, but just like everything, uh, is that you can actually go and flip through the volumes, but if you buy them in the store, they're all shrink wrapped. So you just have to guess, <laughs> like you either have to know the circle or you're like, well, this art looks like it might be interesting. I hope this is okay. The well, worst is um, like, we had that experience in yeah. Tokyo. Yeah. Right. Cause I took you two both to a store. <laughs> The worst for me is when I, like, pick up a doujinshi and I'm like, this looks so good, but again, shrink-wrapped, whatever, I'm going to buy it, look how beautiful this cover it is, and then I open it, and it's a novel. I'm like, I can't read this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could, but it would take a while. I, I can't read. I can only yeah. read, like, some sounds. I can read, like, the sex sound effects. Good. Good. Definitely all you need to understand a story, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, once you know the thrusting sound effect, you're good. What is the thrusting sound effect, Hoyden? For, for all oh, of our gentle listeners. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, nope, I lost it. Leanne brought back, I believe, like, two suitcases or more. Probably more. Probably, like, four or five suitcases of mostly doujinshi the last time she went to Japan. Uh, and she just had, like, a pile of it in her living room, and we were all going through it, and she was like, are you reading that? And I was like, I'm reading this sex scene. That's all I can read. The oh, important part. Oh, shame. I have to tell you the story. I have to tell the story because it's still amazing to me. So while I was living, uh, so while I was living there, I acquired an intense collection of Dijinshi, um, and it was really unfortunate that I got into Bleach at the same time because... Mm. The bigger a fandom is, the more Tajinchi there are for it. Like, that's just how that, that stuff rolls for the yep. most part. Um, like, that's the more circles that are interested in, like, drawing for it and, like, you know, writing stories and, and all that stuff. So I just had so much Tajinchi. And some of it I couldn't bear to sell back because I had bought it shrink-wrapped. And I opened it. I was like, oh, my God. This is horrifying. I can't even bear to, like... <laughs> take this back to the store and look the counter girl in the face and like sell this back. Like it's just too bad. I can't do it. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I actually like, it was, I had too much to pack in a suitcase. So I shipped a lot of it back to myself in the U S and, um, uh, those were very, very heavy boxes and they came to me intact except for one. Oh my gosh. I remember this story and I love every second. <laughs> And when I opened it, uh, like, the carefully, like, packaged she had been all, like, you know, clearly had been rifled through. And I was like, listen, I understand that U.S. Customs has a vested interest in making sure that I'm not, like, smuggling, like, currency or drugs. And so I accept that it is their right to open my huge box of pornography and make sure that that's all fine. That's, that's okay. But what I objected to was the fact that... Um, there were things in there, in my box, that were not Jujinshi. Specifically, they were Korean children's books that had been put in there. And I was like, oh, dear God, like, what small 
last line of you Can you imagine being in a school and opening up like your box of Korean children's books and being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, actually, so, like, it just reminds me, I just, like, got all the detention that we bought in Japan. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story, Hoyden. Oh, thanks, thanks. It's the most beautiful of stories. Can we just say, like, that's like a, please learn the difference visually between Korean, Japanese, and Chinese characters? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not hard. Although I will like, I will give you that like Katakana and Hangul do look sort of similar. There's like some crossover between Chinese and Japanese, but in general, like when I see Korean letters or characters, I'm like, yep, that's pretty fucking Korean. Like, yeah, it has a circle in it. How do you? Yeah, anyway, seriously, um, not not all of them have the circle. No, but the I mean, style is so different. Yeah, but only if you're used to looking at it. I guess, but if your job is to, like, not send a school of children some corn, <laughs> maybe you should pick up some basics. Oh, God, I'm so angry. That's right. I ended up buying at least, like, one Dujinshi that has, like, a couple of pages of really beautiful art, and right as they're about to get nasty, it goes into a light novel. No! The worst. You I just, fucking assholes, like... I just picked up this two-volume Naruto Dujinshi. It's the so, one that I trolled you into buying. It's so beautiful. Like, I'm so happy with it. Yeah, I'll too. There's a lot of, like, gentle makeouts in it. And then, like, some hardcore fucking. You know what we should talk about for a second? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's the gentle makeouts followed by hardcore <laughs> Anything but what we're talking about now. No, I was actually going to say about um, self-censorship. It didn't she? Oh, okay. Oh. That is a really uh, weird thing. It is a weird thing. I don't know if this is precisely on topic, but um, one of the magical things that uh, is not just I, I misspoke. It's not just a Jinji, It's also BL manga itself. Yeah. Like you think like you're going to buy this thing and you're going to see, you know, some interaction between you know a penis and an ass, and <laughs> you would be wrong. Suddenly, there's like bars <laughs> over things. Uh, like, but like the old school way was like the sort of magical glowing penis that um, yes, the the outline of a penis, right <laughs> through the fog, just like a glow in the fog. If you um, guys have never seen the glowing fog penis, I feel like you're kind of missing out. We have to post some sort of link. Really, just a link to a glowing fog penis? Well, we'll post a Twitter pic. You know, no one can even TOS us on that because they'll be like, "Is that really a penis?" I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell. It's been censored so hard. But like, as time progressed, like censorship got a lot more. Um, I want to say ballsy, maybe because eventually <laughs> there would just be like a black bar like over the penis. Just yeah, like the slit. Part of it. Like the most minuscule part of it. As if that was supposed to stop you from knowing, yes, yes, that was a dick. Just so you know. <laughs> my personal this? favorite, like my personal favorite, not even joking, right, was whenever you would have like hardcore ass fucky manga and there would be like, right as like, we're talking some sloppy anal happening right there, right? Because as we've just, as like the running joke is, 
that the guys on the bottom in Japanese gay manga are all self-lubricating. So, like, you've got some sloppy-ass fucking happening. Mm -hmm. And you would have this dick, and it literally has, like, almost, like, a single bold-faced line through it. That's that's right over the head. (laughs) that is the sum total of the censorship the first time i saw it i was like does this guy have a really unfortunate piercing like what is happening i mean it's probably yeah Yeah. okay he's an avalon that's that's what's gonna happen i like you know a technical term for that whereas i'm just like some weird dick piercing (laughs) good no it's interesting like watching like the artist like shift from um you know sort of like like dealing with like they're, they're censoring themselves, first of all. Yeah. So it was like the glowing penis thing, but then some artists were just very clever with how they composed their sex scenes so that you got what was happening, but you didn't need to run afoul of, like, actually showing a dick anywhere. So Okay, wait. I just opened this one to a random page, and uh-huh. Kakashi is fucking Erika, and Erika's, like, pants are just gone. Great. But... Because they needed to censor his dick, but they didn't want to do the black bar or, like, the glowing fog penis because he's not fucking anybody. Right. They just have, like, a a gentle two-part line. One which suggests part of his balls and one which suggests part of his penis. And then the rest of that area is blank. Well, the it it kind of goes, I mean, like, on some level, I think it's, like... I'm not a fan of censorship of any kind, self-censorship or otherwise, but, like, this is them taking control of the art narrative of it, right? Because otherwise, you know, there's, like, there's, like, a moral and standards publication board, isn't there, like, in Japan that's part of the reason that the censorship exists? Yeah, Um, but it's clear that, like, over time that gets super hella relaxed, like... 100%, and I feel like that's still, like, a standard in which case, like, if you don't have anything in there... Yeah, it's it's thought you'd have like a nod to it of some sort. Exactly, but I, you know what? It, it, weirdly, fog penis bothered me because that was just sort of ridiculous. The black bars were totally fine because I actually think that they do more to suggest obscenity than yeah. to pull away from it. But mm-hmm. I also think that the clever ways that people draw smut um, to work around the obscenity rules are even smarter. Um, I have to find. The, in some cases, like, even hotter, like, yeah. this suggestion of it that's, like, yeah. Oh, was it you guys that we were on Tumblr and we found the post of, it's, like, an art book that is just photos of boys, well, men. Yeah, that was uh, me. Right? That was me. <laughs> it's a drawing <laughs> reference for, like, drawing this shit. Uh, I thought that was great, because it gave you so many different poses. Yeah. Well, a, a really good example of someone who actually has, like, who implements self-censorship, but because of the way she draws her manga, and this is, like, full-on sexually explicit um, yaoi manga, is Takamisha Kazusa, and she is famous for Wild Rock. Yes, Wild Rock was the greatest. Which is still, like, the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful mangas I've ever looked at. Like, her art style is just fantastic, and her, like, vigorous ass fucking is actually very romantic to look at like in case you've ever like and i'm exactly one of those people who like looks at explicit fan art and i'm just like ew no i'm not into that um this is totally different like this is like reading a really well written smut fic really pretty i will put we'll post the link on the show page um 
but yeah, like there are people who are very, very clever with the way that they do this. Yeah. I'm reading the businessman Kakashi with glasses. And oh, man. Man, I have, like, I just looked at my Jujinshi folder, which on this computer is relatively small since this computer is relatively new. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I had apparently somewhere in the way had, had acquired, like, four zip files of, like, all the kakairu that there is to be had that was scanlated, and uh, it's good for me. What else do I got here? I'm also obsessed with, what were the ones I loved and, like, never got finished? You'll just make yourself angry. Well, Love Holic was the one that I loved, and I can't remember. It actually got published. It did? Yes, Love Holic. Okay. Wait, you mean the manga, right? Yeah. Yeah, Love Holic got published, and the first volume was so quality, and the second volume, so uh, the story just sucked ass. It was terrible. Never mind then. Well, like, then the other one that I loved, and I don't think anybody else in the world is reading, was mm-hmm. Uchi no Oideo. It's basically about this, like, spoiled model who falls in love with his, like, agent. Yeah. I think it's I did read that. Ho- yeah, it's scanlated by Hochuami. Yeah. Four chapters, and then never did anything else, and I hated them forever. Who else did I love? I loved fucking Secret Diplomacy. Oh, yeah, you did. The same dirty bitch who did Porn Stars in Love, also not finished. Um, I just found my two volumes of Yasashi Kanke, which is still, like, I, after that, like, I tried that mangaka because I was just, like, I just loved that series so much, and I was convinced that I would love her other stuff, and it turned out, no, that was, like, her outlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's fine. Like, it lives in my heart, and I'm just going to read it. And also, I wonder if I even have C display on this computer. I hope I do. Damn. I don't, but I have a different thing. It's called, I think it's just called Manga Reader. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I used to use a thing called ACDC when I was on a PC. I didn't realize it when I bought this, but one of these doujinshi that I got is an XXXholic Natsume crossover fusion. Whoa. Do they own the demon cat? No, I think uh, Watsunuki is the demon cat? Like, he has Good. cat ears for some of this? Good. Why not? Oh, now Domiki has cat ears. I don't even know what's happening. I still remember one of my favorite, like, moments on the internet ever was, like, early days LJ, when I was just, like, dicking around, and I found someone who made a post about, um, <sighs> Cowboy Bebop doujinshi that she had found, and, like, basically she was like, I can't read this. But let me tell you some things that are happening in the First, Spike has little kitty ears. So here's kitty ears, Spike. Oh, look, here's another Spike. He also has kitty ears. Oh, look, now they're making out kitty ears, Spike, twin sets. <laughs> Good. I just like, I fucking love you, Dojinshi. I really do. I just remembered that Aku Tenshi did some amazing Dojinshi. They did, yep. like, the cutest, it was Jen Harry Potter doujinshi that I've ever read in my life. There were a lot of really good groups. Yeah. Um, okay, wait, back to the podcast. Yes, there, it's still uh, online. Sorry. Were there any other things that we needed to cover? We just did doujinshi, we did Comic Cat. If we're going to talk, so can we backtrack to Scanlations briefly? Yeah. So, or just super briefly, but... 
Um, before this episode, I looked up because Shiran, as we talked about, was one of the greatest scan leaders of all time. Like we talk about Shiran forever. We could talk about that forever. But somebody used to have an archive of everything that Shiran had ever done, just in like a dump file on a site. And I looked it up, and it has fallen off the internet. So, and that happened in like open call. Okay, to give everyone some context for the people who know what Shiran is. Start freaking out and looking for your Shiran scanlations, and we can try to cobble them together. For everyone who doesn't know what Shiran is, Shiran was the first scanlation group to do hardcore yaoi. And it was and good. They were the first scanlation group to do good hardcore yaoi. Really they high quality. They famous because they started doing, what is that manga's name? I'm going to say it now right. Now Nobora. Naonobora, and they also did the woman who did Viewfinder. Oh, yeah, that yeah. lady. Yeah, they did the yeah. two of them. And they had that, like, slam dunk doujinshi, which I loved. They had a lot of doujinshi. They, the reason I knew them was for their one-shot yaoi um, scanlations that weren't doujinshi. They were just, like, one-shot short story yaoi stories. They were beautifully translated, and they were the first ones that did, like, explicit boys love. And it was awesome. They were so great. I have no idea who was in that group, but those people are my personal heroes. Nobody knew those people, okay? Like, I ran three scanlation groups, and we never knew who those people were. Really? Yeah. We were like that mystery group that we love. But they're, like, responsible for me. Like, you know, uh, that was my first brush with BL Manga was through them. Otherwise... Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, they basically, like, created a generation of ladies who were like, give it to me, and then fell off the internet. Yeah. We have to find them. They were, like, they were sagacious, you know, glowing penis people. Yeah. If anyone has any information on Shiran, please pull it with us. Please. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're trying to, like, what is this? No, some sort of like show where like if you have any information, this is unsolved mysteries for yeah. for people who you know love loving makeouts followed by vigorous fucking. Yeah. Um, if you have any information on Shiron, please let Slash Report know because we're dirty bitches and we would like to say thank you to those equally dirty bitches. Big time. <laughs> They were awesome. They were amazing. And I remember I remember their entire oeuvre, and I wonder how much of it I still have. Just, like, I've, I've moved so many computers. I know that's the trick, right? I've lost yeah. so many computers. Okay, so yeah. Shiran, definitely fully off the internet. Like, if you guys can find it, maybe we should repost an archive or something. Um, yeah. There, there is a currently active group called Nownoholics. Which right. just, not just, but 99% of the stuff they do is by Naonobora, who is, like, the bulk of Shiran stuff, and they do a really good job. Still active, like, just updated a week ago or something. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and Aku Tenshi is still online, and they have download links. Hmm. So, okay, this is actually a really good transition, because one of my major questions was how, like, I, and confession, like, I have not been actively reading manga in probably two or three years there will be the off thing that I find and that I will buy and that interests me and I will get into it but for the most part like it 
when I left reading manga, it was still enough of a time commitment that I wasn't getting into it. These days, there are a lot of iPhone apps that go into the um, scanlation aggregators and stuff like that. I just wonder how active are scanlation groups still? And is there is there still a bunch of stuff happening that I'm just not seeing anymore? There's totally still a bunch of stuff happening. Uh, there, I'm not that active in it right now, but last year, like 2012, um, I was reading a lot of it. And it turns out those manga apps on your phone updating constantly. Um, and they go off of there are three sites that will list what scanlation groups are updating with what, when, and like who the author is and when it was published in Japan and like all sorts of things. Um, like until Princess Jellyfish was licensed, I was reading all of Princess Jellyfish on my phone and it was updating like every day. Wow. And it was amazing. Good quality too. Excellent. I mean, for people who are interested in getting into manga, like, don't worry, you don't have to queue anything on IRC. Thank God. This is like Fast Times at Ridgemont High now. Um, The app that I use on my phone is Manga Storm. That's what I use too. It's it's fairly user friendly. It's hard. It's it's one that like you kind of have to know what you want when you are looking for it because there's nothing that allows you to browse thematically. Uh, but it's it's fairly easy. You favorite something. If you get the free version, you have a limited number of manga that you can favorite. If you get the pro version, you can unlimited favorite and it'll alert you every time a chapter has been updated. Which is and amazing. It's, it's basically like the only way I read manga anymore is on my phone. Yeah. It's really, I don't know, manga I feel like now is basically designed for ebooks if you have the right kind of screen for it. Like that's yeah. the only trick. Yeah. Agreed. Because I don't have space in my apartment for the amount, like if I were continually reading manga right now, there's nowhere to put that shit. Right. Uh, I've actually been looking at my bookshelves and all of this, um, let's say BL that I'm not necessarily interested in rereading. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, Hey, what am I going to do with this? Like, I don't, you know, like there was a time when I would like send boxes of manga that I didn't want to, you know, retain anymore to friends. And now I'm like, I don't actually know what I'm going to do with all of this. Like, selling it, not really a proposition. Could probably take it to a used bookstore if I didn't care about, you know... Shame. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, See, when I moved, so, I actually sold a lot of my stuff, and some of it I regret, because there's some that I'm like, damn it, why did I sell that? I wish I still had it. Um, right. But I took a bunch of it to a used bookstore, and then I dumped the rest at a Goodwill, where the profits from the Goodwill all go to, uh, it's like a woman's shelter and the Diabetes Foundation. Nice! Yeah. Good. So that's actually a really good way to get rid of it if you have to. But maybe you and I should talk about what you have on your shelves that you don't want anymore, Hoyden. Oh, dear God. Oh, God. I'm going to come be- visit you in March anyway. Don't mail her anything. Sending anything to Canada is stupidly expensive. And I remember it still hasn't arrived. And it sucked. Yeah. Anything going in or out of Canada sucks in a big way. Our, our post is awful. Just bring an extra suitcase, then. It'll be fine. I'll just pack a suitcase in my suitcase. Yes. Or Do just it. only Good. pack, like, one outfit. Good. <laughs> just that's, that's not worrying at all. No. 
I'm just ready. I, mean, I feel like we've covered. I feel like we've covered the vast universe, or just like at least given people some insight into the vast universe of anime manga. Yeah, manga. <laughs> and our tortured history with it. So so tortured. Much history. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh God, just the memories. The memories of the Inuya. Okay, so fun times, guys. My last, like, you kids don't understand how good you've got it. <laughs> I read, I would say, probably upwards of 20 volumes of Inuyasha, not having seen the images of it. I read the text translation project. That's from- how I read Hanayuri Dango. Damn, was- girl. One <laughs> dude in Japan who was, like, clearly an expat who bought the Inuyasha manga every fucking week when it came out in Shonen Jump. And he would just script it, right? He would do a script translation. And he would scan in and upload the three best pages that he thought. And I read 20 volumes of Inuyasha like that. Okay, not only is there that, but this is actually really interesting. That's originally how I read The Cherry Project, was in those, like, text translations. And later, when someone finally was going to scanlate the Cherry Project, they were like, you know, we could translate this ourselves, or we could just use those really good text translations, because the text translation was high quality. And they did. It was just like, hey, can we, this would be really, and they were like, yeah, go for it. So (laughs) worth it. Yeah. Doubly useful. Oh, man. But do you remember, like, the dark days of being IRC trying to get the right text file and the right, like, uh, to scan? I would just not get the scan. I would just read the text file. I was like, fuck it. I just want to know what happens. Wow. Yeah. So, like, there are actually a lot of times where I'll be on the internet and there will be, like, a picture from Inuyasha. I'll be like, huh, I've never seen that before. I've read every fucking page of that one. I know everything that happens. I've never seen that because it was during the 20 volumes I was too tired to try and find the images (laughs) waiting for that fucking shit show of 48 volumes to end I will say one of the greatest things was uh getting into Usenet which was about as complicated as IRC if not more so (laughs) and finding out that you could get anime episodes off of there Oh my god, such dark It would take, like, a week to download an episode of Sailor Moon, and then it would turn out to, like, not have subtitles, and I was like, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Can't be that hard. So, this is, we have to end this. But, like, final thought that all of us here will definitely have, like, a moment of, like, ah, terrible nostalgia. Do you remember when the only yaoi anime that we had at our disposal was one shitty VHS copy of Aino Kusabi. Oh, God. And everyone was like, you should watch this. It was awful. So bad. So fucking awful. Literally the blondies versus everybody else. I I remember having that VHS tape in my college dorm room and being a friend. We're like, okay, we're going to watch this. And one of our guy friends came in and he was like, oh, are you watching anime? We're like, you can stay, but you don't want to. <laughs> and watched his eyes go wider and wider because he was like, I'm out. <laughs> there was a time when nothing was labeled properly, and my mom was like, I don't know, you like anime and manga. I'll get you okay. some anime for your birthday. And it was like hardcore demon sex. Yes. 
on VHS, and I had to watch it in our living room because that was the only VCR. <laughs> I was like, please, nobody come home. This is like this is like when me and my friend from high school were watching Velvet Goldmine for the first time. So we had no idea what was coming up, and we were watching it on my dad's like 57 million inch like wall size television <laughs> in the living room. And my mom walks in as Ewan McGregor is jumping around on the stage with his cock hanging out, covered in baby oil and glitter, like, whatever. And I, like, literally, like, hit the... I tried to hit the stop button, I hit pause instead. It's, like, frozen mid-bounce on the television. And my mom just gives me this amazing look, and she's like, alrighty then, and just, like, goes into the kitchen. She doesn't even want to know. Okay, wait, one last thing, which was... When we were watching Cyber 6, which is, like, an Italian-French cartoon that looks like anime but is not, my dad came home once and he wanted to watch the Jays game. And I was like, oh, is it is it over yet? Because my friends and I really want to watch Cyber 6. And he gave me this look and then just oh. silently left the room. And I was like, what's his problem? And then, like, two minutes later, I was like, No! week is also an anime, so you can get either of them. Um, the anime is currently available on U.S. and Canadian Netflix, uh, and it's relatively short. It's, like, under 20 episodes or something, so I recommend it. It's called Princess Jellyfish, um, and the premise of Princess Jellyfish is that there's this, it's almost like a commune of nerd ladies who all <laughs> share this house together because the rent is cheap and one of the girls, her mom, owns the building. Mm -hmm. Um, and on the top floor lives a mangaka that they have never seen. They just, like, pass notes and food under the door. Um, and they're like, just leave that mangaka alone. She pays, like, half the rent on the whole building. It's great. They do some inking for her. Whatever. The main girl, uh, is obsessed with jellyfish. Each of the, the girls living in this building is obsessed with something different. They're all, like, weird fangirls. And you get, like, a whole, the spectrum of fandom. Um... And she's out walking one night, and she passes by this pet shop, and in the window is a fish tank with two jellyfish in it, and she sees that the shop is closing, and there's, like, a guy inside who's just locking up, and she's like, holy shit, open the door! And the dude is like, what is your problem? And she's like, you cannot put these two jellyfish in the same tank, because jellyfish A is going to kill jellyfish B by the end of the night. Like, they need to be in separate tanks, or they will die. And he's like, you seem really crazy, have a good night. <laughs> and she's like, no, you don't understand. And he's like, seriously, I just want to get the fuck home. At which point, the most beautiful girl in the world shows up and is like, hey, buddy, why don't you listen to her and uh, just give her that prettier jellyfish? Because, you know, if it's going to die anyway, at least you can just, like, you know, give it to her and she'll be happy and she'll leave you alone and probably never come back. And the dude is like, you are stunning sold. <laughs> Gives this beautiful jellyfish to this, like, weird jellyfish girl who is like, oh my god, you are stunning, and you just got me the most beautiful jellyfish. Um, like, thank you so much. And the beautiful girl is like, no problem, see you never. Uh, it turns out that that beautiful girl is a boy who is cross-dressing because his dad is the Prime Minister of Japan, 
And he doesn't want to be the next prime minister of Japan, which, like, they probably are grooming him for. And he figures the best way to get out of that is to be a public cross-dresser. <laughs> okay. Okay. Solve problems. He's like, I can never be prime minister if I'm, like, publicly acknowledged as an awesome cross-dresser. They can never force me into politics. That is his plan. And he's a baller at it, by the way. Like, he is so good at it. Um... But suffice to say, through a series of weird events, they wind up starting a jellyfish-inspired fashion line together. It's amazing. This sounds fucking terrible. No, you know what? I thought it was terrible, and then I was at someone's birthday party, and they were like, we're just gonna watch a couple episodes of Jellyfish? That's all we did for the whole evening. Everyone was like, what the fuck happens next? I need it. (laughs) Alright, fair enough. I'd have to give it a shot, especially if it's just on Netflix. Yeah, you can just, like, put it up anytime. I mean, I guess I could take a break from watching episodes of Destination Truth for, like, an hour. Yeah, watch some jellyfish. Will do. Yeah. Will do. Uh, <laughs> okay, Hoyden? Um, I am going to wreck a two-volume uh, manga series called Yasashi Kanke. Um, it's by Fuashini, and it was scanlated by the group Bliss, and you should be able to find it um, via Google. Like, it's very easy. Um, We're, we'll slap you guys the link. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll give you a link. Um, but I was about to actually apologize for, like, the content of this manga, but I figure, okay, like, if you've gotten this far, probably you know it's good <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and even my memory says this, I'm like, well, it's not that bad in the context of, like, shit that happens in Japanese manga, but your knowledge may vary, so, you know, proceed with caution, as always. Um, but this is a story that, like, really just hits, like, so many tropes for me that I just love so much. Like, just, I'm making this terrible face right now. But uh, it's basically childhood friends who are separated, and they meet up by complete, like, you know, happenstance years later. And there's all these, like, old hurt feelings between them because of the way they separated. And so the, the manga is about them reconnecting and trying to figure out, like, you know, how to have a relationship together as adults. So it's like they have a whole, like, childhood friend thing, and then also just, like, all of these, like, confused feelings. And um, it's just, like, I love the art of it, first of all. Like, the art of it, I think, is really beautiful. And there's so many good feelings. And there's also, um, if this is your bag, a really great drama CD of this, which you can also probably find via just a little bit of Googling. Um and I just really feel like the language of this, both of the English translation and the original Japanese, is is lovely, and um, it has retained a space in my heart uh, after all these years. I have this the computer I currently have is like maybe two years old, so I never have never you know rebuilt the manga collection that I once had. But the first one of the first things I ever did upon getting the computer was like I was like okay. I have to go find Yasashi Kanke. I can't live without it. I have to have it. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's actually, it's, it's, you know, it's only two volumes, so it's short, but it's representative. It's got some good tropes, and I just love it a lot. So that's mine. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, okay, so I'm going last, and I have three wrecks. Similar to Hoyden's feelings towards Yasashi Kanke, there is... Uh, one manga series, or I guess like a two-shot, that I absolutely have to have on every single hard drive I own. Um, that is uh, 
a very brief, very sweet story by Yamane Ayano yes. called The Guide of Love. Fuck yes! <gasps> yes! It is one of the first stories I ever... Uh, it's one of the first sort of Yaoi's pieces I ever read, and it's still one of my favorites. It is about this really adorable kid called Takaoka who works... Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong one. Um, this really adorable kid called Yoshizawa who works for a matchmaking company yes. that um, our hardened research scientist who is a little too distracted and career-focused <laughs> gets sent to because his mother thinks that he's going to die alone. <laughs> uh, and he goes on a series of dates. He, you know, is reasonably successful with them, but, like, no one's really piquing his interest. And you guys can guess where this is going. It's incredibly charming. The art is very pretty. The two of them are hella sweet. I love it. Um, the second one that I'm going to wreck is the manga that I referenced earlier in the podcast. It is called, again, Wild Rock by the mangaka Takashima Kazusa. It is uh, sort of out of character for me to like it because it is um, a caveman fantasy manga, essentially. <laughs> Um, it is, I would say, gay caveman Romeo and Juliet would be the <laughs> three-phrase description of it. The art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it is 100% a fascinating object for women by women. Um, boys need not apply. Like, this is so hot, so lovely. Um, and it's one of the few sort of explicit... Uh, gay manga that has like sex that I genuinely think is hot in it and then my last recommendation which sadly y'all are going to have to like shell out actual money for if you want to see it is my absolute favorite manga series of all time which is Hikaru no Go um, when I tell you the summary of this series you are going to feel like I'm absurd and crazy but it is one of, one of the greatest things you can ever read it is about a boy named Hikaru who, through interactions with a haunted go board, gets a high-end era ghost named Sai, who is obsessed with the game Go. And thus, it is a story of him learning how to play Go and then playing a lot of Go against many old men and his rival, uh, Akira. I know it sounds so boring. It's it so weirdly engaging. It's so good. It is one of the greatest manga series ever. Hoyden, back me up on this. Uh, it is, and like the the interesting thing that maybe we'll talk about in a future episode is that it ran in the same um, it ran in the same magazine as a lot of sports uh, manga. Yeah, and you can actually see Jeffrey from the set. You're like, yep, like this bears all of like the some of the same like trademarks of, of sports manga but as applied to a board game but then it's got all these supernatural elements and um <coughs> really the great thing about Hikaru no Go is that you see these kids grow up like you they they start really young like they're what like 12 13 yeah um uh, ish I forget now but um it's a really great progression of um just where they start off and then this whole like ghost thing and then learning to stand on like 
uh, he started learning to, to stand on his own two feet. And it's really lovely and well done. And I think one of the best sort of adolescent progressions that I've seen in manga maybe ever. It's really great. I think one yeah, of the absolutely. great things in manga is if your description of a manga sounds ridiculous, but you're like, but trust me, the character is the real point of this. Like the character <laughs> development. That's how you know it's going to be really good. It's like Kimi wa Peto, where you, if you give someone the plot of Kimi wa Peto, they're like, what the fuck is that? And then they watch <laughs> it and they're like, it's so beautiful. Oh, Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's it for us. Unless anyone has any closing thoughts? God, no. Mm. <laughs> this is like a two-hour recording. It only wants to keep to herself as seen by the previous recording. Yeah. <laughs> keep it secret. Oh keep it safe. Oh my god, yes. So terrible. I'm so ashamed of us in retrospect, even. Um, and on that note, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Please check out some of those manga if you haven't before. Uh, or if you haven't read any manga before, go pick up a go pick up the first volume of Hikari no Go. Uh, yes. It's on Amazon. You can get it. You can get it in Kindle format. It's even. probably at your library, too. Very true. Um, and I think that does it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Threesome. I hope so. Fucking blood chip. Fucking what?